What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed busy show for you this time around. Here to kick off the month of October. You better believe I'm talking about the Bengals and I'm spitting the bit against the Steelers on Monday Football. I got tons of things to say about that as we move along. Ravens and Cowboys brought down earth. Cowboys offense uh, took a vacation day uh, last Sunday, absolutely spitting a bit against a uh, Saints defense that was led by Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Uh, not to mention the Ravens, who got absolutely punked by the Cleveland Browns, who looked like an average overrated football team until they ran into that quote-unquote vaunted Ravens defense. Oh, my gosh, oh, money. Those teams brought down back to earth. I recapped the Thursday night game thriller that was, no pun intended, between the Rams and the Seahawks that occurred on Thursday. And I'll get some MLB postseason action as the playoffs kick off. I'll get into the A's spitting a bit and the Twins spitting a bit. Both teams, uh, under any circumstances, cannot win in the month of October. They can win about 100. I I don't care if the Minnesota Twins win 125 games. As if they playing the New York Yankees in the ALDS, they win. They ain't winning a damn thing, and that's the God's honest truth. Get to them, and I get to the A's spitting a bit at home once, once again in the American League Wild Card game. This time around against the Rays at home, and also talk about the National League and American League Division Series and stuff along those lines, things like that. And of course, I'll preview and give my picks for Week Five in the National Football League. But first things first. You better believe I'm talking about those Cincinnati Bengals. And where do I even begin? I, I, I swear, it is the same crap, the same garbage, the same old, same old nonsensical story that I, and narrative that I've put up with this team since I was a fan of them. Freaking 13, 14 years ago when I, when I was four and five years old, first rooting for this sorry, stupid team. I mean, honestly, you are 0 and 4. 0 and 4, your season is hanging in the balance, and you are playing your first divisional game of the season, mind you, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That without, in case you forgot, because I because by the looks, because of the way that they're that 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 team played on Monday night, you could you would have sworn that it was Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, and Franco Harris in the backfield, with the steel curtain, with Mel Blunt, Tony Dungy, uh, J- uh J- Jack Lambert. Uh, me, Joe Green. You could have sworn it was the seventy Steelers out there, or a little bit more recent. You could have sworn, honestly, if you if you weren't paying attention, you could have sworn that it was Bell, Ben, and Brown back there on offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What in the what type of a performance is that? Oh, and three, and it is your first divisional game of the season, and your one and only primetime game on the schedule, and you crap your pants against Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, I tell you, I done thought I'd seen it all. I done thought I'd seen it all. I thought, I, th- I, thought I, I thought the lowest point and the lowest, and the lowest uh, place that this team could go with the Pittsburgh Steelers was that playoff game. 
but oh and three and you outside of AJ Green, but for the most part you are you are a hundred million times a better team on paper than the Steelers are on paper. Without AJ Green, mind you, but still, they don't have their starting quarterback, their two-time Super Bowl champion Ben Roethlisberger. And you mean to tell me that you sorry bunch of you-know-whats can't even bother to put up more than three points? You can't even score a touchdown? I mean, what, what do you think? What do you, what, 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 what do you think? This team, this team is, is the steel curtain from the 70s all of a sudden? Then it seems the 79 Pittsburgh Steelers. Give me a break. This defense has been has been pitiful for the past three, four seasons. But lo and behold, the Bengals walk in there and they look like the Pittsburgh Steelers steel curtain that we've all known and known and grown accustomed to. Three points. Three points. Andy Dalton, 21 for 37, 171 yards in, a, in a, an interception. Really? Really? Joe Mixon. 15 carries, 62 yards. Really? After he went on Twitter and said, I'm sorry, Bengals fans, who they nation, I promise I'm going to change this. Really? Defensive line, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, give y'all all that money, y'all can't get to the quarterback at least one time. Really? You got to be kidding me. Every single time. Can you guys beat the Steelers one time? Just once. Once I'm all asking. Just once. Once. Can you perform well on primetime games that isn't Thursday night football? Once. Would it carry you to win on Monday night? Would it carry you to win on Sunday night? Would it kill you? You guys haven't won a Monday night game in five years. Since December of 2014, when you beat the when you beat Peyton Manning's Denver Broncos, you don't want to to clinch and get a playoff spot, and and you ended up going to the playoffs and ended up losing like you always do. But it's been five years since you morons, you sack of sorry idiots, have won a game on Monday Night Football. Five years. Five. Five years ago, the Orders were a decent baseball team. Five years ago, I was my second year in the middle school. I'm about six, seven months away from graduating high school. Being an adult, 18, and you morons can't even win a freaking football game. As you get paid millions upon millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to do, you can't even do that right. What type of offensive line performance was that by any chance? Bobby Hart, I'm talking to you. Honestly, 175 yards of total offense? You must be kidding me! A lot of Pittsburgh Steelers offense led by James Conner. Who, what? Yeah, I thought the same thing. And Mason Rudolph and Jalen Samuels? 
get 326 total yards of offense for you? You idiots ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Ashamed. These sack of bumps, these teachers should be banned from walking the streets of Cincinnati, giving that garbage, embarrassing, pathetic performance they put on on Monday night. Pathetic performance. How in God's name, 326 total yards while a backup quarterback in his first ever NFL start at Heinz Field? With again, Jalen Samuels, James Conner, Mason Rudolph, and Deontay Johnson. Who, once again, if you didn't pay attention enough or if you didn't watch the game, you'd have swore it was Lance, it, you would have sworn it was Lynn Swan, Antonio Brown, and Santonio Holmes, and Heinz Ward, and Ben in, in the backfield, with Bell and Franco Harris as the backs. Pathetic performance. Pathetic. You idiots ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Any adult, I know you, I know you barely have a, I know it's like every single time you set the ball before you have an opportunity to pass gas, you know, you're on the ground, you're on your backside. But still, Andy, could, could you, could you play and act like you give, you, you gave a crap on Monday Night Football, please, 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 pretty please with sugar on top, would it kill you? Please. Spend, low time, spend less time focusing about your dopey hair and spend more time in the film room. At Paris, I don't give a damn what, what, what you got to do to make sure you get yourself a better quarterback in the National Football League so you don't guard on Monday Night Football and embarrass yourself in front of the entire country. I got Bengals fans like me getting my phone blown up at a quarter to midnight talking about how much the Bengals stink and how we can't win a, win a Monday Night Football game out of a paper bag if our lives depended on it. Do that, please. I'm begging you. Please. Please. Because it's at the point where the season's over. I don't want to hear about, well, last year's coach they started on four. Well, maybe we can do, well, maybe it's last year's team at first because we start four and oh, then we collapse. So maybe we collapse at first and then we get, I'm sick of this. I don't want any wishful thinking. I don't want any, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, what's the phrase? It'll come to me. I don't want none of that overly optimistic crap. False hope, that's what it is. I don't want any of that false hope. None of that. I'm done. I'm done. The team is shot. The team is done. Call me in 2020. After you blow up the whole roster, you kick out Andy, you'll clean house with the offensive line because those sorry fat you know what ought to be a, should be hitting their knees at night, thanking the good Lord that they still get a paycheck from the National Football League. Given that pathetic, embarrassing performance they put on Monday night. Honest to God. Clean the whole thing out. Get rid of every last one of them. Every single last one. Out. Out, 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 out. And Mike Brown, unless you're ready to sell the team, here's what I suggest you to do. Go get, go to your local liquor store, get you a bottle of Ciroc, 
get you a get you a a, a a case of Johnny Walker liquor with some Coors Light. Mix that mix that stuff together. Guzzle it all down in one piece. Open up a Mountain Dew, chuggle up that thing, and just and, and just fall out in the middle of the floor and and just die. Just go away. Because how in the world you've been on the team for over 50 years? 50 years, and you guys have played in two Super Bowls, lost both of them, haven't been back to Super Bowl in over 30 years, and, I've been, and, it's, and it's almost been 30 years since you last won a playoff game against a team that doesn't even exist anymore. You've done nothing as an owner, nothing but run this team into the ground. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of going to school. I'm sick of basically asserting, asserting myself with people, getting to know them, whether it be people I go to school with, whatever the case might be, family, whoever, and I have to have my phone blown every single time you sorry bunch of you know what? Stick up a football field. I have to get my phone blown up to my bagels suck, bagels suck. Bagels ain't winning this. Bagels ain't winning that. Bagels suck, bagels suck, bagels suck. I'm so sick and freaking tired of hearing about that. Please. Especially when I live in a, in a city that's a, that, it, that shares the home of your division rival and the Baltimore Ravens. That, I, that has had more success in their 20, 25 plus years as a franchise than you guys have had in the last 40 They got more Hall of Famers than you guys do. They've been around since 1996. You guys have been around since 1967. They have one Hall of Famer, a dopey offensive tackle. They've been around since 96. Since freaking Bill Clinton was president. And they, and they or Bush, whoever it was, I could give a crap right now if I'm right or not. This ain't a politics show. This is a sports talk show. They've had more Hall of Famers that have played for them and have gone and done things and won championships and are in the Hall of Fame than you idiots have done in your 50-plus years as a franchise. They've been around half the time and have got more Hall of Famers in it. Ogden, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. And it's only a matter of time until there's more. You guys ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Ashamed. Honestly. Mike Brown, set a team or, or or get some Ciroc and wash it and wash it down with the with the smearing off ice. Will you will you please? Or just sell a team. So I've I've had it with your old bond. I, I my patience is is running razor razor thin with you. And your stupid daughter and your ass and I piece of crap hut brother uh uh son-in-law. All of you, all of you, sorry bastards that's on that owns this freaking team. All of you, sick of all of you. Sell the team, or, or 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 jump off, or jump off the, or jump off the nearest bridge, please. I've had it with every single one of you. What is it going to take for you idiots to wise up, and get yourselves together, and realize that you know what? The mistakes that we make on this football field don't just affect me, but they affect our fans, they affect our players, they affect our coaches, they affect every single one of of people on planet Earth that has ever uh, been been a part of or have associated themselves with the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm done. I'm sick of it. Clint House, offensive line, get out. Dalton, get out. Defense, get out. 
The only mixing it, mix, mixing even he's trying my patience. He's he's almost out of there. Took a took a pick on took a pick on your sorry behind because you're dumb because your dumb self had the nerve to punch a woman in the face in the restaurant and his, and had your stupid behind get it caught on camera. But we walked with faith and not by sight and, and, and took a chance on you and somehow somebody gave you the benefit of the doubt and you, and this is how you and this is how you pay us back. This is how you pay us back. Fifteen carries sixty-two rushing yards. This is how you pay us back. After you were top five in the league last year in rushing yards. Top five. So don't give it the offensive line. It's the same it's the same freaking offensive line as it was last year. Same roster. What what's the problem now? Fix it, Cincinnati. Fix it. I'm warning you. Fix it. I can't take no more of this. Season's over. Start tanking for Tua. Start rolling out the tanks. Start playing the round ball rock. Season's over. Finish. Kaput. Don't sit here and give me this false hope crap talking about last year's Colts. Please. Because last year's Colts, last time I checked, have been to have been to not just one but two Super Bowls, you know, since the turn of the new millennium, and have won a couple of playoff games, and by the way, have won a Super Bowl. You idiots haven't done a freaking thing since since Home Alone was the number one movie in the box office. Give me a break. Take a break. Talk Ravens and Cowboys right after this. Welcome back to Amateur Like a TIS podcast. One last thing, and I'll let it go and I'll move on to the other things. Andy Dalton's record in primetime games in his career since 2011. That's been, uh, that's been how many years? That's been about, that's been eight, nine years. He is 6 and 21 in primetime games. Six and twenty-one. I want him off my football team, and I want him off my football team now. And I'll leave it at that. All right, switching gear now to other stuff that happened in the National Football League in Week Four: Baltimore Ravens and the Cleve, the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys, both teams that, if you went by Ravens fans calling in the sports talk radio and just in general, if you live uh, around if you live around or live in neighborhoods with Ravens fans or just cut on the TV or or whatever the case might be and listen to Skip Bayless or any other Cowboys fans you would have thought that that team that those two teams were locked and loaded set in stone to play in us to play in Super Bowl uh 54 down in Miami but since those teams both started at least two and zero. Ravens started two and zero. Cowboys started three and zero. But since those teams started out hot, they have both cooled off as of late. Both teams taking advantage of the fact of that the, that of them playing very simple, easy schedules, 
both teams played the played the Dolphins for in the first three weeks of the season. Cowboys had the Giants at home, and played and played the Redskins on the road. Ravens, like I said, they and that they they and the Cowboys both played Dallas early on, or excuse me, both played the Dolphins early on in the season. Uh, Ravens played uh, in week two. They played the Cardinals, so that's no easy, you know. So that's a uh, you know, they didn't run away with the ball game, but that's an easy opponent. Last two games, Ravens have played the Chiefs, the second-best team in the AFC. And they've played the Browns, who have one of the be top best rosters in the AFC, but were struggling as of late until they played them last week. Uh, I'll do the Ravens first, then I'll get to the Cowboys, because the Cowboys were the ones that played the Sunday night game against the Saints last week. But... I mean the Ravens. What a what an awful performance. I mean I get what an awful performance. I mean, Lamar Jackson. Boy did he come down come down from her twenty four for twenty four for thirty four two hundred and forty seven passing yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. But Mark Ingram didn't do much of anything. Twelve carries, seventy one yards. Neither did the receiving core. Sneed, Hurst, Seth Roberts, even Marquise Brown. Who if you went by. Every Ravens fan after the Dolphin game, you would have sworn that Marquise, Marquise Brown was his cousin Antonio Brown, or uh, Anquan Bolton. I mean, go, I mean, go, oh my goodness gracious! And and I, and I told y'all, I told y'all, and I warned y'all about both teams. Okay, both teams played very, very, very easy, 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 winnable games and had a very easy schedule first few weeks of the season. Now all of a sudden they start playing the real teams, Cowboys. The Saints, for example, Ravens, the uh, Chiefs, for example, and then playing against the Browns, who are no longer the doormats of the AFC anymore. They they were going to be tested, and the Ravens were tested, and they couldn't answer. Off offense, they were all right. They were all right. They weren't, you know, Lamar. J you can't have Lamar Jackson throwing, throwing, uh, you know, throwing a throwing a having throwing two interceptions. You can't have Mark Ingram from the football event. Under any circumstances, you can't do an expect win ball games. You can't you can on the other hand uh go for you know for, for Cleveland with forty six, Ravens with forty six, I'm not gonna kill him on there. I mean, they didn't commit much penalties. Only committed three, but you can't, you know, can't fumble the football. You can't throw interceptions. Ravens' offense really wasn't that big of an issue. Three hundred thirty-five total, three hundred thirty-five total yards, one hundred seventy-three combined rushing yards on the ground, which for the Ravens' standards is a little low. But I'm not going to kill the Ravens' defense. Granted, Lamar Jackson did look human uh, last week against the Browns at home. Which, by the way, has been the Ravens' first home loss against Cleveland uh, in four years when they lost in 2015. And that and where the Ravens had everybody known the man get injured, and they went like 4-12 and 12 that year. One of the worst Ravens seasons in my recent memory that I have ever seen. You got two thousand two thousand fifteen Ravens and then the two thousand and then the two thousand seven Ravens. Two worst teams in my lifetime that I have ever seen. The two worst Raven teams I've ever seen. And they've been good the majority of their history. But that two thousand fifteen team was horrendous. Horrendous. But you know, I'm not gonna kill the offense. Offense did a decent job, put up twenty five points. Granted, the last touchdown was in garbage time. But not gonna kill the Ravens on that. Where I am gonna kill the Ravens is their god awful defense for allowing basically Baker Mayfield and everybody else to put up five hundred and thirty total yards of offense, allowing Baker Mayfield to throw three hundred and thirty seven yards, allowing 
allowing Nick Chubb to, on 20 carries, rush for 165 yards and three touchdowns and let Dontrell Hillard get a touchdown as well. I'm going to kill them flatten Jarvis Landry, even though he didn't get a touchdown. He had a big day until he until his day ended early because of the concussion. He didn't score a touchdown, but he had a, but he had just as big a game as Nick Chubb did. He has eight receptions, 167 yards, targeted 10 times. Okay, that under any circumstances you cannot do under any circumstance, especially for the Ravens' defense, a defense that, that you know, that, that, uh, that kind of, you know, this is the Ravens' defense. I mean, the Ravens take take uh, good defense just as seriously as the Bears, as the Steelers, as, um, uh, you know, they, 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 they value defense. Their M.O. since, since their, uh, since their franchise's inauguration, much like the Steelers and the Bears, has been defense, and defense wins championships. This, this has always been a defensive-type football team. Well, I don't know where the defense went last Sunday because it was nowhere to be found. Over 500 yards of total offense, let Bacon Mayfield basically be Otto Graham in the ball game, and basically let Nick Chubb run all run all over him as if he was as if he was Jim Brown, and had Jarvis Landry even though they kept him out of the end zone, they he they they had let Jarvis Landry run up and down the field on him every single time he turned around with eight receptions over 100 yards receiving, didn't get a touchdown. Part of the reasons because like I said, he left the game area because of hamstring. But the Ravens. Brought down to earth, and they've lost two straight. Both are pretty good teams. And if you're wondering, and if the question is, if if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan or someone like me that you know that critiques them and, and analyzes and criticizes them, is this is this team for real? Or is this team for real? Or are they a bunch of frauds? A bunch of fraud, fake, overhyped phonies that took advantage of the fact that they played the two worst teams in the National Football League to begin the schedule, and they and in their first divisional game they get smacked by Cleveland, and and the game before that they and the game before that they play uh they play the second best team in the AFC and the Kansas City Chiefs on the road and and they lose the, and they lose the ball game, so. Are the Ravens for real, or are they a bunch of frauds? That remains to be seen. The Ravens, as of right now, are sitting at two and two, uh, in second place to the AFC North. Browns are two and two, but they hold the advantage, obviously, because they beat them last Sunday. So the Browns are in uh, first place via tiebreaker. But we'll see if the Ravens are for real. They play the Steelers on the road uh, tomorrow. They got and then they play my then they come home and play my Bungles at home. That should be, that there ain't no reason why the Ravens shouldn't win that game under any circumstances. But there's no re- if they if they lose to the Bengals, you better believe I'm rubbing it in all y'all's faces. Chances that they'll do that slim to none. But still, if they don't beat the Bengals. You guys got major, major issues, especially if you let Andy Dalton throw for 465 and allow Tyler Boyd to basically go off as if he's Chad Johnson. But anyway, that's not a hit on there. But so you got two more. So you got two division. So you got two. You got three straight divisional games. You got two more at the Steelers, which you should win. Bengals at home, which you should win. Then you play the two toughest games in your schedule, in my opinion, because you because you go to Seattle and then you play the Patriots at home. Now, granted, Baltimore has, or yeah, the the Ravens play the Patriots at home. Now, granted, Baltimore can beat the Patriots. They've beat the Patriots in the past, whether it be 2012, uh, week two, week three, or whatever it was. Uh, whether it be in a championship game later that season or the season before in a championship game, you know, they almost won that game. 
But Dave beat or in two thousand nine where ba- where Tom Brady played his worst playoff game in in the in the entire history of his illustrious successful NFL career. I mean, he he had his worst game, his worst playoff game as a pro against the Baltimore Ravens ten years ago in the playoff game, if you remember that correctly, where Ray Rice practically was uh, Jamal, Jamal Lewis in the game, running all over him, scoring touchdowns left and right. So. I mean, the Ravens, they've beaten Patriots before. Same coaching staff, so they know how to game plan. But it'll be different to see, and it'll be weird to see and interesting to see if they can beat them with a run with a, with a a run first, at least as of now, with a run-heavy offense with Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. They don't have Joe Flacco anymore. They got a new quarterback. So it should be interesting to see what they're going to do when they play the Patriots on Monday, on Sunday night at home on November the 3rd. After they have their, after they have back to back, after they have two additional divisional games at the Steelers and come back home against the Bengals, and play back to back games, the two hardest games on the two hardest games of the season, if you if you ask me, going on the road against Seattle, and then and then playing the Patriots at home on Sunday night, which is a winnable game for them, but again it's the Patriots and they've been on fire so far. And they are, no, and they're no easy task on any circumstances by any stretch of the imagination. But the Ravens' defense absolutely spit the bit. You can't allow Baker Mayfield to basically go off after he's been neutralized in in two out of in two out of the last three games he's played. Did nothing against Tennessee, and did absolutely nothing against the Rams. And you see, so you can't allow him to walk into walk into you. Walk into your home and absolutely torture you like that. I mean that that that's something that they ought to be ashamed of. And I don't know where Old Thomas. I don't know what's going on with Old Thomas or what. But it seems like that he left his All Pro Hall of Fame caliber playing ability in Seattle because he has done nothing but stunk up the joint. And I don't want to hear him about hamstring or calf or kids, whatever dopey asinine excuse he's fitting. He's fitting to give me or John Harbaugh. Okay, he stopped running past the fifty yard line to catch up to Nick Chubb because because he got lazy. So. This is not the same Earl Thomas circa 2013-2014 that was that was uh, putting them in the Super Bowl back-to-back years, getting them number one seed, making my uh, brother do handstands while my Bengals struggle to get out the wild card round of the playoffs. Okay, this is a different Earl Thomas now. So let's so let's let's take it easy on him. Second game or second team, I should say, but the Cowboys and the Saints. Saints, or excuse me, for the Cowboys, this is different. Baltimore, their offense didn't let them down. It was their defense. But Dub Baltimore is more, more known for his defense. Cowboys is more known for their offensive attack. But the offense, like the Ra- like the Ravens' defense, you know, you had to take a rain check whether they showed up to the stadium or not. Because the Cowboys' defense was absolutely, or excuse me, Cowboys' offense was absolutely nowhere to be found. I don't want to hear about Dak Prescott throwing 20, 22 for 33 for 223 yards, all right? He threw a pick, and Zeke Elliott had 18 carries and only rushed for 35 yards. Granted, he only scored the only touchdown in the ball game, but still, eighteen carries, thirty-five yards, and Dak. Pre- and I was supposed to, you know, get Skip Bayless and and get my jollies off for 22, 22 for thirty-three, two hundred twenty-three passing yards. Give me a break. I mean, please. And this is this is and this is why me and others 
this is why we have a leg to stand on and we have a very valid, decent argument when we say that Dak Prescott's overrated because, because a quarterback that wants to make $25 million a year cannot, under any circumstances, play the Saints and put up mediocre stats like that and not find somehow some way to win a football game. And and let's call it like we see it. When Ze- when Zeke's rushed, when Zeke the, isn't having a good night, Cowboys don't win, and Dak doesn't have a great game. Go look at the numbers. The Dak Dak plays well when Zeke plays well. If Zeke ain't playing well, you better lick your finger and and hope you find someone or hit your knees or or go out and find somebody because because Dak is is a is a uh, you know he. he he he's an average mediocre quarterback when Zeke is off his game. Let's call it like we see it. I don't care what Skip Bayless or any other delusional, idiotic, dopey cowboy fans have to say or Dak lovers. Okay, I could care less. Point is, Davis is a is a decent quarterback. He's not good. He's not, I don't even think he's that good. I think he's very, a little bit a little bit overrated. He but he's the decent quarterback. Okay, he he's he's Alex Smith. He's decent. Keep you competitive, so you know, depending on who you play, keep you in bargains. But he, but he, he is no Russell Wilson. He is no Mayfield. Even he's no Murray. He, no, he's none of that. He is a he's he's a he's a he's a decent quarterback. His man rating, I'd give him. He, I'd give him an 80, 80 81, 79. I, I, that that'd be his rating. He, he's okay, but he but it's not anything special. He's no he's no Don Meredith. He's no Roger Starbuck. He's no Troy Aikman. And the bottom line is that when Z can't run the football, when he puts up when when he has night when he has nights, and and, and granted some nights it will happen, when he, when you have nights where you almost have twenty carries and you only manage to put up thirty five rushing yards, Dak is not going to win you the football game. That's that's just all there is to it. Bottom line, that's just all all there is to it. And their defense comp- and their defense did everything in their power. I mean, for crying out. The Saints didn't score a touchdown. Kicked two field, they kicked three field goals in the second quarter and kicked one in the fourth quarter. They kept the they kept the Saints offense out the end zone. They kept the Saints offense out the end zone. Kept Dallas in the ball game and 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 Bika and Dak, who every single time I cut on undisputed and hear first and hear Skip Bayless talk, you'd have swore that Dak Prescott was was Troy Aikman. He, but he he's no Troy Aikman. All right, he Dak Prescott is by himself is not winning you big time football games, especially on the road in that hostile environment in the in the Mercedes Benz Super Superdome. He just isn't. Let's just wake up, smell the coffee, put out all the bias, and put up all the other stupid crap, and call it like we see it. All right, by himself, Dak Prescott cannot win the Cowboys a big game. He needs Zeke to do well in order for Dak to do well. And if Zeke is having a piss poor game, then odds are Dak is going to have a piss poor game. That that's just that's just the God's honest truth. And don't let Skip Bayless or Will Kane or anybody or anybody that associates themselves with the Dallas Cowboys convince you or tell you otherwise. Because they're going because they're going to play the Packers this week at home, and they're going to have to keep pace with Aaron Rodgers. Who did? Who didn't? Who did, you know? Who had a pretty decent game about ten plus days ago against the Eagles. So, they that that they 
you know, their defense should have nothing to worry about. But the offense has to step it up. Zeke and Dak, that means you. Take a break. We switched to the diamond in the 2019 Major League Baseball postseason right after this. Welcome back to my Like TIS podcast. Switching gears now from baseball, excuse me, switching gears from football to baseball, from the gridiron to the diamond because the 2019 Major League Baseball playoffs, a.k.a. the postseason, is underway with the two wildcard games earlier this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. This is the opening weekend of the of the 2019 American League and National League Divisional Series. One of those two series, two in each league, will play each other, National League and American League. For the National League and American League Championship Series, winner of that will be crowned American League Champion for the 2019 MLB season and will play for the right to participate for the 2019 MLB Championship by participating in the 2019 MLB World Series. And the wild card games started uh, were Tuesday and Wednesday. We've run down them quick. Well, A's, I actually want to say something about the A's, but National League, I'll skim through it right quick. Basically, among other things, if you didn't see it, Brewers came out guns blazing, hitting... Uh, uh, Hitting the Yasmani Grandal, Eric Thames hitting home runs in the ball game. Uh, Trey Turner hit a home run in the third inning to put the Nationals behind three to one. Uh, low score, no scoring whatsoever from innings four to seven. Nationals had a chance, put had runners on scoring position in the fifth inning, but did not capitalize till that until the eighth inning came. Until the eighth inning came around, and all of a sudden you get Michael A. Taylor with a hit batsman. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman gets a little bloop single and a couple of fluky, flunky things that has eluded the Nationals throughout their short history in the postseason elimination games, especially at home in Nationals Park. All of a sudden went things like uh, getting bloop singles and small little things like hit by pitches and things like that. All of a sudden it went their way. And next thing, in, and then next thing I know, their young rookie who's taking the place of Bryce Harper in the outfield and in the lineup, Juan Soto, a twenty-year-old, a twenty-year-old kid, who hit two eighty-two with thirty-four home runs and one hundred and ten RBIs this season, all of a sudden gets a gets a, a gets a base hit, gets a two-run RBI single in the. In the in the bottom of the eighth inning, right fielder Grisham misses completely misses the ball, resulting in the goat Trent Grisham is his name, ends up uh, missing the ball, which allows the runner on first base to come all the way around to score, and the Nationals ended up taking the lead and ended up holding on to win the game four three, winning their first ever elimination game and advancing for the first time and advancing in in another and, and and advancing to another playoff series for the first time in their history, uh, circa two thousand and five. So that's so uh, kudos to the Nationals there. Uh, Brett Hader was not the same pitcher that he was last year. Uh, was very, very spotty in the regular season, and the Nationals give him credit. They worked the count. They wore him down to the point where they knew Hater's command was going to foul up, and it ended up happening, and the Nationals took advantage of it. So kudos to Nationals hitters and the Nationals in general for just never say die, especially when their best uh, starter on their roster and Max Scherzer, who they're paying over $200 million, 
it wasn't exactly uh, Don Drysdale in the game. Uh, with pit, pit, pitching five innings, four hits with uh with a couple of home runs and walking through and walking three guys, so but a good job by the Nationals nonetheless coming back hold on win as they will play as they are playing as a matter of fact in the National League Divisional Series uh against the loss against the two time back to back defending National League champion Los Angeles Dodgers. That series is Title I. I'll get to they play game three tomorrow night at seven forty five. I'll get to that in a little bit. But uh before I get before I get to the AL and Nash and NL uh DS, I gotta touch on the Oakland A's who once again completely spit the bit again in the postseason and again for the second straight year in a wild card game. This time they're at home they're playing a team that they, they went from playing a team in the AL East that has the highest payroll in the sport to the lowest payroll in the sport with the Tampa Bay Rays. And boy, did they completely spit the bit. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, Sean Manaya. I mean, why why the A's felt compelled to put a player that had that had that literally has played one month of the season? One month of the season. Pitched in five games, one a month's worth of uh, a month's worth of work, and they put him out there in the American League Wild Card game, only for him to give up four runs on four hit on four hits and, and three three of the four runs and three out of four hits were homers. And he, and he and he's and he's out there just like that after two winnings, and the A's once again completely spit the bit in the postseason after being completely overwhelmed and dominated by the New York Yankees. Uh. Uh, last year, I mean, uh, I mean, let me tell you something. If you, if you're an if you're an Oakland A's fan, you you, you got to be pretty. Let me tell you something. You got to be pretty. You got to be pretty embarrassed if if you're an Oakland if you're an Oakland A's fan. This is the third straight. This is the third straight wild card game that the uh, that that the Oakland A's have lost. Third straight. Lost in can they lost in Kansas City bullpens bullpens stinks giving up runs all over the place, you know they 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 choke a lead they they choke the lead in the in the in the late innings they score a run in the in the twelfth and allow Kansas City to come the to come back again and 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 score two runs in the twelfth and end up winning the game not nine to eight. So, so they says so, you know so this is three straight wild card games that the Oakland A's have lost. Again, again, once again, Oakland A's, good old, good old Oakland A's. You can always trust on them when you need them, and they completely urinated all over themselves. Completely urinated all over themselves. Not to mention the fact. That in a recent postseason success, blew a 2-0 lead in 2012 to the Detroit Tigers. So throw that into the equation. Boy, what, boy, what a horrific job of Oakland A's! And all I ever hear is Oakland A's. They do less and more than anybody in the sport, which is which is a lie, because the A's right because the A's right now are home in the in the Rays are in the playoffs and they have the lowest payroll in the sport. A's are are bottom five. Rays lead the league in lowest payroll. 
So that so that's a lie. But so they do less. You know they they you know they they do more with less than anybody in the sport. The teams this teams that my gosh, Oakland. I mean they this is back to back season where they've won more than ninety five games and they were a first round exit in the wild card game. Played 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 one more game than you know the Tigers and the Orioles. You know not ninety six wins and it it's over just like that because this team. To, because this team for you know to they can't if their lives dependent on it they can't they can't win a big time playoff game. We'll be blowing two o leads whether blow two whether it be blowing two o leads in a divisional series or losing three straight wild card games. Your bullpen spitting all over itself against the Royals in two thousand fourteen five years ago or losing back to back wild card games because you are overwhelmed by playing in New York and playing the Yankees last year or being at home having home field advantage and your pitcher ended up and and, and your pitcher spitting a bit losing to the freaking Oakland losing to the uh Tampa Bay Rays. Enough of the Oakland A's please. I mean every single time they get into the playoffs they're their first round exit. They don't even, I mean they don't even give themselves an opportunity. I mean they leave the postseason as quick as they come in. It's ridiculous. Anyway, switching gears now to the divisional series. Uh, do National League first. Uh, Dodgers ended up winning. Excuse me. Dodgers ended up winning uh, Game One six nothing on uh, October on October the third. Uh, Walker Bueller pitched a great game. Pitched a good game. Well, great. I guess you could say great. Six innings, one hit, uh, eight strikeouts, only walked three. Great performance out of his out of his part. The Dodgers have a fantastic uh, starting rotation outside of Clayton Kershaw, and we'll get to him in a minute. But I mean, outside of Kershaw and the back end of that bullpen, Dodgers are going to be a pretty scary team. Uh, hitting wise, uh, you had this guy Lux, Luxy boy, hitting a home run the eighth thing off of Hunter Strickland, who's been a complete disaster in the postseason. Go ask Bryce Harper. Who took him deep? Uh, tw- who took him deep twice when those two teams played each other five years ago in the NLDS? Why the Nationals felt Hunter Strickland, you know, was worthy for a trade? You know, chomping at the bit to get Hunter Strickland in their bullpen. I I will never understand. But anyway, that's not a here nor there. Jacques Peterson also went deep in the eighth inning. Wouldn't you guess it? Off Hunter Strickland, but the Dodgers played played a good game and uh, won six nothing in game one. Meanwhile, Patrick Corbin won Ray for primetime. He went six innings, gave up three hits, two runs, and walked five, which you cannot do in any circumstances, but struck out nine. And, and the bullpen didn't make it worse with Fernando Rot. What is with the Nationals and getting these pitchers that have proven time and time again that they are, that they are not, A, the pitchers that they used to be, or B, are, are not pitchers that are worthy of pitching in the postseason. I mean, did I mean did these idiots see Fernando Rodney spit the bit against the Yankees when he was a member of the Oakland A's last year? I mean, gee whiz. Fernando Rodney has pitched in 15 postseason games in his career and has an ERA over six. So why he and Strickland are are in the Nationals bullpen and on and are on the NLDS postseason roster, I'll never understand for the life of me. But the Nationals have have issues in their bullpen. They have issues. 
But they came back and they bounced back last night. They won 4-2 because Clayton Kershaw is inept in the postseason in the month of October. Can't pitch can't pitch to save his life. He's pitched in, four, in 31 postseason games. He's 9-11 with an ERA over 4.3. So he stinks in, in the postseason, even though he even though he's had a pretty good season uh, in the regular season, going 16-5 with a 3.03 ERA. And that's going to be the thing that's going to bite Kershaw in the high parts because he's a great pitcher from April to September. But once it comes to October, the the guy is a bona fide scrub when he's on the mound. Six innings pitch, six hits, three runs, and a walk. So, not exactly uh, can't, uh, Sandy Koufax level type pitching there. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers their off their offense had had a nice day. Jubal Cabrera, Harry Kendrick, Adam Eaton, Anthony Rendon, who if the Nationals somehow win this series should be National League MVP, had RBIs in the ball game. Nationals were three for thirteen with runners in scoring position, left ten on base. Uh, Dodgers were zero for four runners in scoring position, left five on base. Uh, Julio Irias uh, committed a fielding error in the ball game. Steven Strasburg. I, I mean, are the Nationals starting? I don't know if the Nationals know. You know, have if they've reconciled this. But boy, do they look like a bunch of idiots shutting down Steven Strasburg seven years ago uh, when this team when the team played in the 2012 uh, playoffs. Because Steve, because Steven Strasburg, not only did he pitch well in the wild card game. Uh, against against the Brewers the other night, but he came in last night against the Dodgers and absolutely put the bats to sleep. Ten strikeouts, allowing run, one run and three hits in six innings of work. Phenomenal job by him. phenomenal job by him. And Scherzer got himself together coming out of the bullpen last night. He pitched an inning of work, struck out three, and uh, Sean Doolittle wasn't too shabby himself, as well as there as well as Daniel Hudson who came in in the ninth to get the save. But uh so the series is is tied at one one and Nationals they have a shot. You know, Nationals they're starting pitching though. If they want to win this ball if they want to win these ball games, they're starting because of Dodgers strength is also starting pitching outside of Kershaw. The Nationals starting pitching has to keep him in the ball games and guys like Turner and Rendon and Soto and Zim those guys and uh and uh, and Robles and everybody else and Kurt Suzuki, you name Kyle Kendrick, you name them. Those guys have to come up in the clutch when they need them. They need timely hitting and they need consistency from the starting pitching. And please, 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 by any means necessary, stay away from that bullpen as much as you can. Stay away. Don't go to that bullpen unless you absolutely have to. Because you go to that bullpen and throw in Rodney or Strickland. You guys' streak of losing a of losing consecutive NLDS is going to continue if you if you guys aren't careful. You, don't at don't you don't take your starters out of the ball game unless you absolutely have to when you're still in the game or if you're winning unless you absolutely have to because you cannot in any circumstances turn to Fernando Rodney or Hunter Strickland who both have proven proven to the world that they are inept relief pitchers in the month of October. You cannot, under any circumstances, rely on those guys to get big outs in the in the 6th, 7th, and 8th inning against against a lineup that consists of trade, uh, consists of uh, Justin Turner, 
Jacques Peterson, Corey Seager, and Cody Bellinger. You can't. I'm sorry. If you want to win this series, you just can't. But let's hope that the Nationals, you know, I, I, want, I picked the Dodgers to win this series, but I'd like to see the Nationals put up a fight. I don't want, you know, I don't want the Dodgers to win game three, to win game three and game four and have this series over by, uh, and have this series essentially over by Tuesday. I I don't I, I don't want that. I want this series to go the full five games. So we're sitting there game five on Wednesday night in Dodger Stadium with it with with making Dodger making the Dodgers players, making the Dodgers fans sweat and shaking their boots because because they couldn't end up losing a first round series to a wild card team. A team that many didn't think that they were going to be here, considering that they were in the basement of the National League East around uh, Memorial Day. So just make just make the Dodgers sweat is is all I can ask. Uh, moving on to the other National League Division series, you got the Cardinals and the Braves. Break down game one for you real quick. Cardinals ended up coming ended up coming all the way ended up coming back uh, against the Braves to win game one. Paul Goldschmidt hit a mammoth home run, mammoth home run, in in the eighth inning of the ball in the eighth inning of the ball game. Let me make sure, make sure I'm right. Yep, in the eighth inning of, of the ball game, uh, Mikolas he didn't pitch all that well. Five innings, three uh, three hits, or actually, you know, he wasn't half bad. Five five innings pitched, three runs, or excuse me, three hits, a run, two walks, and two strikeouts in the ball game. Bullpen came in outside of Webb came in and did its job, uh, sh- shut down the uh, well not I wouldn't say shut down but kept the Cardinals in the ball game. No, I didn't see I didn't see I didn't see much of the ball game full disclosure you know because I got school for my practice or anything else. Uh, plus plus I was plus I was heavily watching uh, the Seahawks Rams game. I was more I was more uh, my attention was more on that game than it was this one, but. You know, full, full disclosure, I'll, I'll be honest with y'all, but 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 it was a but it re- was a pretty tight and contested ball game where both teams' offenses really really did show up in in the game, especially Ronald Acuna Jr., who needs a little lesson on uh, on hustling because uh, I tell you, you 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 keep jogging and lollygagging like that on the on the base pass in October. And see how long you'll be in the starting lineup hitting leadoff. I I I tell you I tell you I tell you Ron, it won't be for long if you if you keep up with that with that lazy not not hustling crap. Because it'd be a because it'd be a shame for you and your team to not have you in the lineup because you choose to you know to take a load off running running the bases. But in game one he had a good game. He was four for three with two RBIs and he reached base via walk. So and then that's game one. Cardinals go up. Uh, Cardinals go up. Or excuse me, Braves go up one nothing. All right, Braves go up. Or excuse me, Cardinals go up one nothing. They won seven six last night. Cardinals bats didn't bother to show up in the ballpark, but Atlanta starting pitching did, especially because of the arm of Mike Fultonevich, uh, whatever his name is. Things how you pronounce it. Who who went uh, seven innings of shutout baseball, only giving up three hits and striking out seven, while Mark Melanson and uh, 
and uh, excuse me, and Max Fried took care of business in the eighth and ninth inning coming out of the bullpen. So that series was also equal at one one, and I predicted that series to go uh, five games, if I'm not mistaken. So this will not be a short and quick series, as I th as as this series, in my opinion, is is up for is up in the air for grabs. Uh, moving over to the junior circuit in the American League. We'll start off with uh, with uh, Yankees, excuse me, start off, yeah, we'll do uh, Yankees-Twins because as I'm recording this, the Rays and Astros game is still in progress. Astros up one nothing, top of the six uh, in that ball game. Houston right now currently has a one nothing lead in the series. So I'll do the Yankees first because their game uh, wrapped up earlier today. D.D. Gregorius hit a grand slam in a ball game in a monster seven run third inning that the Yankees have. I'll, I'll just do game two just because it ha just because it happened uh, today. I'll go back in game one. Uh, Matt, Matt, I'll just do the whole series as whole. Yankees in this series so far have outscored the Twins by by the score of eight of eighteen to six in the series. Twins, let me let me give you this stat. I guarantee you guys. I I guarantee you guys did not. I guarantee you guys did not know this. Okay, the Minnesota Twins have lost. They they have the they have the they have the record in the America in the Major League Baseball for consecutive postseason games lost. They have lost fifteen straight playoff games in a row. And twelve in a row to the same opponent. Same opponent, you got it. The Evil Empire in the New York. Yankees. I don't care if Nelson Cruz is hitting hit 750 in the regular season with 63 home runs and 200 RBIs. I don't care. I don't care if Eddie Rosario stole 100 bases and and got on base in every single at bat and had a perfect on base percentage. I could care less. I don't care if the Twins win a hunt. I don't care if the Minnesota Twins win a win a hundred and one games, win a hundred and five games, win ninety one games, win ninety eight games. If they are playing the New York Yankees, especially, they have no chance. Especially when the Yankees have a better starting rotation than the Twins do, and and. They have and they have and they have experience. This is the team that, or that on quite a few occasions is chomping at the bit. Okay, they're hearing all this talk about the Astros being the best team and Astros this and Astros that. That bothers the Yankees. Okay, that bothers them, along with the fact that people like you know I I'm not I'm no Yankee fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm just telling you. They are fueled by the fact that America does not want this, you know, unless you're a Yankee fan or a neutral baseball fan that wants to see, you know, Yankees and Dodgers in the World Series circa 1950s, 1940s with uh, Pee Wee Reese and uh, DiMaggio and and all the old heads. You know, uh, you know, unless you're my grandmother, you're not rooting for the Yankees to get to the World Series. Even even though my grandmother hates the Yankees, been hating the Yankees her whole life, but she wants the Yankees to get to get to the World Series so she can have so she can have a bit of nineteen fifties nostalgia and have Yankees and Dodgers in the fall classic. So she can she can sit in front of the television set every night and and hear about the old Yankees and hear about the old Dodgers, 
you know, half-hour pregame with Alex Rodriguez and uh, Kevin Burkhart bouncing around uh, Yankee Stadium and Dodger Stadium. But anyway, it's not a hint one there. Yankees motivated by the fact that that the Astros that the Astros are favored to win to win the American League and to win the whole thing. They're fueled because of the fact that their hated division rival Boston Red Sox beat them in the ALDS last year and ended up winning the whole thing. They're fueled by that. They're also fueled by the fact that the team hasn't been back to the World Series in ten years since the second since the new Yankee Stadium since the new Yankee Stadium first opened up. And they're fueled by the idea because because of the fact because of the fact that, you know, that that they are the hated that they are the quote unquote New England Patriots of baseball as far as the fact that fans from all from the other twenty nine fan bases unite together as one to root against them. So so they're they're fueled by a bunch of things. And then they also had the fire in their belly for Aaron Boone cussing out the umpire back in uh, late July, early August with the Savages. And then and, and, and to top it all off, one of the longest tenured Yankees on the roster, CC Sabathia, is re- is retiring is retiring at the end of October. Whether it be whether it be when the Yankees get eliminated or when they're hoisting their twenty eighth Commissioner's Trophy as World Series champions for the first time in 10 years and for the 28th time in the history of the franchise. So, the Yankees have plenty of motivation. And the fact, and, and, and the fact that they're playing a, a, a basically an American League playoff doormat and a Yankee playoff doormat in the Minnesota Twins helps nothing either. Their starting pitching has spit all over themselves completely spit all over themselves. I don't care about Miguel Sano and Nelson Cruz going deep. What I care about is their starting pitcher by the name by the name of Zach Littell, who what yeah, I thought the same thing, who absolutely spit the bit in the ball game, who can't who who didn't even get an out, gave up two runs and walked the batter, coming coming after Jose Barrios who also spit the bit Went in for four. Went in, started the game, went four innings, gave up four hits and three runs, and walked three guys. And outside of you know a cute Nelson Cruz and and Sano home run, Eddie Rosario home run did absolutely nothing in the ball game. One for nine runs in scoring position, left nine guys on base. Now James Paxson was no, you know, he he didn't blow anybody away by any stretch. Four and two thirds, five hits, three runs. The Yankees got expect a little better than that, giving up two home runs, but still. I mean, the the, the boy did the Yankees bats, boy did the Twins pitching just let their bats walk all over them, from Encarnacion to Torres to LeMahieu. I mean, gee whiz, Judge. I mean, oh my goodness gracious. And then they turn around the next day, game two, and then they, and they let the Yankees go crazy again with ha- having a seven-run third inning, which is completely unacceptable, and you cannot have, under any circumstances, have seven-run innings in the postseason, expect to win ball games, and expect to win the series. So now the Yankees, so now the Twins go back to Minnesota with their backs against the wall, 
down down to nothing to the Yankees and the series and the series will and probably will be over by the by the end of Tuesday, by the end of this Tuesday, October the eighth. Because the Twins simply can't win playoff can't win playoff games again. One more again. One more time. Major League record fifteen straight postseason games the Twins have lost and twelve in a row to the Yankees. So I don't care about them winning over hundred games and Nelson. I could care less. You want to beat the Yankees? This is how you beat the Yankees. You silence their big bats. Lemayhew, Judge, Encarnacion, Stanton, even. Torres and especially D D D D D what's his name D D D I can't even say it D D Gregorius, you especially silence them, or else or 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 else you like you have been for the umpteenth many times you've been in the postseason will have an early exit. Why? Because you cannot beat the New York Yankees to save your lives if your life depend if your lives depended on it. Last series, then I get to a break and get back to football week five and close out the program. Uh, Rays and Astros. Rays lost uh, game one on Friday. Astros won 6-2. Their Astros, their good old boy, who I cannot stand for reasons that if you listen to the show, you well know of. Uh, Verlander came in, first bout Hall of Famer. You see why. Went seven innings, gave up a hit. No runs, struck out eight, walked three, which me personally, I, me personally, I, it drives me crazy with the walks. You know, just if you if you give up a hit, you give up a hit. But I mean, put the ball in the strike zone and let's keep guys off of off of uh, off the base paths, please, because walk because you can't walk it allowing three walks to a to a team like the New York Yankees, who most likely you're going to be facing in the ALCS. Ain't gonna cut it. Excuse me. Isn't it? Ain't gonna cut it. You know you can get away with it against the Tampa Bay Rays, who are essentially there because of their starting pitching and have no bats to speak of. I mean, all, all, I mean, come on, Austin Meadows, Tommy Pham, G Man Choi. I mean, Travis Darno, Kevin Kiermaier. I mean, let, let's be honest. This lineup does not blow you away on any circumstances, and that's where the Rays have problems because. They can pitch with Houston, but their hitting cannot. You know the you you look up and down Houston's lineup. They got Springer, they got Springer, Altuve, Bregman, Gurriel, Correa. You know the 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 Rays don't have don't have a bat that really scares you in their lineup. The starting pitching does, but their bats don't. And the starting pitching, like they have been so far in Game Two, bottom of the second, still one nothing Astros. Their starting their starting pitching keeps them in ball games, until eventually the the until eventually the Rays pitchers make a mistake, and all of a sudden the game's out of hand. But the Ray, but the Rays hitting is not cannot and will not get you to to the World Series, but it's still a, a successful season nonetheless, because you ended up winning ninety ninety plus games, 
in a division with the defending World Series champions in it that were competing to get back there and the New York Yankees. And you somehow manage with the distractions of potentially moving and, and low attendance and everything else, winning over 90 games and playing in an American League Division Series. So Tampa Bay has nothing to be ashamed of. But again, I know good good pitching stops good hitting in the playoffs, especially all the time. But, but, but another thing that you need to win in the postseason in October is timely hitting, and unless the and uh, and, uh, unless right now in game two, late unless the Rays prove me wrong or you know unless they prove me wrong in the late innings, you cannot win in the postseason without timely hitting. You need don't get me wrong. Start strong starting rotation is important. Strong bullpen is important. But you also need a timely hitting because you can't get the timely hitting. You're going to be losing one nothing, get one nothing games and two one games and three one games and three two games, like like you wouldn't believe. So took a little time, but we got through all the uh, postseason baseball. Take a break. Get back to the NFL. I preview week five. Give you my picks to close out the show. Right after this. Welcome back to Mattel Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now back to the National Football League. Now, I typically pre- take, you know, pick two, three, maybe even four games if the game's really that good on the weekend of the NFL season. And I preview them, I talk about them. There's only one really good game on uh, this weekend, and that's the Cowboys and Packers game. All the other games are eh. Or garbage games, but uh, I mean, it shows you that the NFL does not care. I mean, they picked the second best game on the Week Five schedule, and they put it on Thursday Night Football, which, which, which by default might make it the best Thursday Night game of the season, and they put it on Thursday Night Football up against the the op the opening games of the of the NLDS. In Major League Baseball, it's proof that the NFL doesn't care. It's it's NFL first, NFL most. They they could care less about the other sports, but anyway, but I bring that up because rather than me just talking about that one game we go on, I'll I'll talk about that Cowboy, and Dallas game. But also because I haven't gotten to it yet, and it was a good game, so it's worth uh it's worth uh talking about, worth of discussion. Is that I'll recap that Thursday night game between the Rams and the Seahawks, uh, and what a and what a good ball game it was. I thought for I thought for a little bit that the Seahawks were going to pull away from this game, but Jared Goff brought his brought that Rams team. Out of the out of the grave and 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 stayed on the Seahawks' tail, essentially to the end of the ball game. Uh, Seahawks though are nine and one in third and on Thursday night football since two thousand ten. If there's one thing that the Seahawks don't do is losing prime time at home, as they had a you know offense 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 what what a job they did Russell Wilson 17 with 23 268 passing yards four touchdowns while Chris Carson had 27 carries and ran for a buck 18 in the ball game Will Disley didn't have a bad game either four receptions 81 yards but and and Russell Wilson like he always does spreads the wealth around 
But what a job by the Seahawks offense who played their butts off and played their hearts out on Thursday night, which is as you as you'd expect from a Russell Wilson team playing at playing at home against a division rival that that ended up sweeping them when these two teams played each other uh, last season. But but the Rams think like, you know give credit Jared Goff. I mean we're hauling on him. We come over right now. I think he still is the only one even necessarily change anything. But he but he did all in his power to get his to get it to drive his team back. He's twenty nine forty nine three with three hundred and ninety five passing yards and a touchdown. Todd Gurley isn't the same Todd Gurley, so it's re- it really depends on if Jared Goff can get his team back to the Super Bowl. Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup both had big games. Gerald Everett, the tight end, seven receptions, one hundred and thirty six yards, while Cooper Cup had nine receptions, one hundred seventeen yards, and a touchdown in the ball game. Offense really did a good job of of uh, of coming back when they were when it looked like that they were down for dead, uh, or or that the game I shouldn't say down left for dead, but that the game could get could have gotten away from them. But the offense did a good job of having them climb back. Seahawks, you got nervous there at the end. I I know what the heck Pete Carroll and them was thinking. Running, whether it was a read option or bootleg, whatever it was, and Russ Wilson decided to chuck it at the last minute, losing about eight yards, using losing about eight yards on the play, forcing Seattle to punt it with ample time for the for the Rams to go downfield and kick a game winning field goal. They ended up going marching down the field as you'd expect. Why? Because the Seahawks defense, for some ungodly reason, when the Rams had no timeouts, weren't smart enough or just witty enough or didn't have the practical common sense to protect the sidelines uh, down the field. Instead, they protected the middle of the field and allowed Jared Goff to basically nickel and dime against them, getting first down after first down after first down, essentially stopping the clock on every single completed pass to put themselves in a situation where Greg the Leg Zerline could kick a, a, about a 44-yard field goal that he that it that most of the time in in years past he's made in a sleep, but missed it wide right by a hair and the Seahawks ended up by the hair their chinny chin chin winning the game thirty to twenty nine, and proving the four and one in the first place in the in the NFC West. You got to give Russell Wilson a lot of credit. You know he's he he's the leader of that team. He's the leader of that offense, and. You know, I get, I get. I mean, when you play in a league with Patrick Mahomes and Brady on it, you pretty, you rarely, rarely are talked about as far as MVP conversation is concerned. But Russell Wilson is the guy that keeps that offense and keeps that team energetic, alive, and alert. Because where the Seahawks would be without Russell Wilson, considering that they literally sold off their entire defense to make sure that he is their franchise quarterback for years to come. You know, if you're a Seahawks fan, I'll lie my brother. You got to be pretty happy and and ecstatic and excited that Russell Wilson is on your football team because he is a big-time Hall of Fame potential uh, quarterback that should be having serious conversation in the Pro Bowl. You know, I I don't want to hear Dak. I don't want to hear none of that because Russell Wilson is better than those two quarterbacks and has way better talent than those two quarterbacks. Russell Wilson needs to get some more love. That's all I'm saying. Uh, switching gears now to, you know, uh, 
to the preview game. That's the game of the week. That's going to be on Fox at 425. Packers and Cowboys. Packers have won the last seven eight matchups against the Cowboys, including the 2016 Divisional Playoff game uh, this season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Packers is 3-1, but Aaron Rodgers throwing about 267 yards a game, six touchdown passes, one interception. Prescott, 3-1 and one as well, with averaging 285 passing yards a game, nine touchdowns and three interceptions. And Rodgers is 2-1 head-to-head against Dak Prescott. On, on, and uh, as the road QB, he's won all three games. Uh, or excuse me, the road QB when these two teams have matched up. The road QB has won all three games. Rodgers, of course, had won the two games and Dak uh, w- winning their road game. Uh, it's just a little quick tidbit. Cal- Aaron Rodgers is one of three quarterbacks in NFL history to have to win seventy five percent of his starts and have a passer rating of over a hundred against the Cowboys. That's a little quick tidbit. Uh, Packers coming off of a home loss quite a few days ago at home against the against the Philadelphia Eagles defense and their play calling let them down late. You can't mess up play calling against the Dallas Cowboys. They got expected their defense is going to try to neutralize that offense. That's the first thing that has to jump off at them. Because granted, it was Teddy Bridgewater, but their defense was absolutely phenomenal on the road against against the New Orleans Saints. Why, why anyone would think that their defense performance would be any different. You'd be an idiot to think that way because you got to come out of your Aaron Rodgers and company and expect the same thing that the Saints got last week. They're not. They're not only going to try to keep their offense in the game, but they're going to try to if they they're going to try to keep you out of the end zone. And the Cowboys defense was not afraid of that last or excuse me last week. So why so why would the Packers de- why would the Packers think anything different? Meanwhile, the Cowboys, like I said, losing to the Saints, they got to get something. They got to, if in again, in order for Dak to do well, Zeke has to do well. And Zeke has to shake off whatever funk it, whatever it was. He just has to go out there and ball against the Packers. If they ball and their defense keeps them in the game, there shouldn't be a reason why the Cowboys shouldn't be sitting there, uh, sitting right there in a position to win the ball game. They just there shouldn't shouldn't be any reason at all whatsoever, uh, but that's it on the NFL front. Uh, get recapped Seahawks game, recap week four, talked about the Cowboy and Packer game. Now it's time for week five picks in the league where they play full pay. Jacksonville and Carolina. Carolina's favorite at minus three and a half in that game. I'll take Carolina to win and beat Jacksonville 27-21. Cincinnati and Arizona. Like I said, Cincinnati already covered them. Uh, Arizona trying to get back on their winning ways. I'll take Arizona to get back on the winning ways at home against my Bengals and win 28 to 10. Atlanta and Houston. Atlanta really spit the bit at home against the Tennessee Titans. They got to get this season going. 
uh, after you know they beat the Eagles, but I mean that everybody and their mother was injured on the Eagles' offense in that game a few weeks ago. They got to come again, come out against Houston, guns blazing. But I don't, but I don't see it. Houston, I believe, is going to win the ball game, twenty-eight to seventeen. Meanwhile, Tampa and New Orleans. New Orleans coming off of a win last Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Vietnam scoring a touchdown in the ball game. Their favorite minus three and a half. Meanwhile, Tampa is coming off of an impressive win against the Saint. Excuse me, against the Rams on the road. Offense completely embarrassing the Saint. Excuse me, the Rams defense. I believe that the Saints will win this game, 24-13. Moving on to the Vikings, whose offense took the day off against the uh, Chicago Bears last week, going up against Danny Dimes and the Giants. Giants, I believe, is going to win the game 26-20. Chicago and Oakland in London. Oakland uh, beating the Colts last week in impressive fashion. Meanwhile, Chicago, like I said, coming off of a win at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Their favorite minus four and a half. I will pick the Chicago Bears to win the game 26 to 17. Moving on to the Jets and the Eagles. Eagles favorite minus two touchdowns. My favored by two touchdowns minus 14. Philly beat, beat Green Bay of handful of days ago Jets they're just the Jets pick Philadelphia to win 31-14 Pittsburgh and the Ravens Pittsburgh I don't need to you all know the story Ravens like I brought up early in the program defense spit the bit against the Browns back-to-back second straight divisional game this season this and their first road divisional game of the season and their first game against Pittsburgh this season Ravens favorite minus three and a half. I think the Ravens will come through and bounce back and get back on the winning train. I think the Ravens will win 27 to 17. New England and Washington. Need I say more? Haskins ain't playing. I mean, Redskins should just forfeit this game because it's going to be an utter bloodbath. 41-10. Patriots. Patriots favorite minus 15 and a half in the ball game. Denver and the Chargers. Chargers favors minus six and a half. Denver can't seem to get out of their own way as they still remain winless. I'll take the Chargers to win 27 to 16. Green Bay and Dallas, like I brought up early in the program. Dallas, their running game has to be, especially Zeke, they have to perform well via the running game. Because when Zeke does well, Dak does well, and when both of them do well, and the defense bothers to show up like they did last week against the Saints, good things happen for the Dallas Cowboys. But Aaron Rodgers, that bad man that he is, knows how to beat the knows how to beat the Dallas Cowboys. I think he'll do it again and win twenty-eight to twenty. Indianapolis and Kansas City, the Sunday night game that shouldn't be on Sunday night. Because, but it was put on there because everyone thought Andrew Luck was going to play in the 2019 season. He didn't, so we're stuck with this. Kansas City's going to win 35-24. And then the Monday night game that, you know, I mean, the Monday night game's just getting bad to worse. My goodness gracious. 
Cleveland and San Francisco. Good God, that that game. If that game isn't wiped clean by Major League Baseball, that's an issue. By MLB, by the MLB playoffs, that's an issue. Uh, especially, I think the games were in FS1 too. So, it's Cleveland after coming off of after beating the brakes off Baltimore head on the road to play the 49ers were coming off of a bye week. Who 49ers are still along with the Chiefs and Patriots. Are the un, are the remaining undefeated teams in the league right now? But I think, but I think San Francisco's. Well, I think San Francisco will gain their first loss this season at the hands of Bacon Mayfield and the Browns playing their second Monday Night Football game in a, in a, about three weeks, and I believe Cleveland will win, twenty three to seventeen. So that is your week five picks in the National Football League. And that is your program. Thanks for listening. If you are new to the podcast and if you like what you heard, please don't be afraid to subscribe, share share it with your friends, family, co-workers, teammates, wh- whoever the case might be. Uh, I'm your guy, Jai Shields. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at the J underscore Shield. Uh, sh- follow the sh- follow the program, uh, the program's uh, bio uh, handle is in my bio. <laughs> the program's handle is in my bio, uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, leave a review if you listened on i if you listen on uh, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, tweet, share. It. Get you know, get this podcast out here, y'all. There's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff happening. I'm not tell like a TI is. Enjoy the rest of the NLDS and the American League Divisional Series, and enjoy the football week five of National Football League. God bless y'all. Take care. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.